Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, it's interesting, God's expectations of us. Uh, One such expectation that's really interesting is God doesn't expect us to fit in with our environment necessarily. We shouldn't necessarily fit in with our society or fit in with our culture. In fact, a lot of times the things that God teaches us or instructs us to do run counterculture and and actually can produce stress in our lives if we're not fully trusted in the Lord. So today, listen to this, uh, this message that you shouldn't necessarily fit in. find that the Apostle Paul ends up in the city of Corinth. Now, uh, Corinth was a kind of an interesting place, and it's interesting that the Apostle Paul wasn't just like uh, just walking through there. He ended up staying there for a while. I think uh, Paul was somewhat of a gypsy. He liked to move around a lot, and God knew that and had him moving around to different cities, starting churches. But we read in Acts 18 and verse, my eyes aren't deceiving me, verse 9, one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. He was already in the city of Corinth, and he said, do not be afraid. Why would Paul be afraid? Well, he'd been beaten. (laughs) He'd been stoned. He had gone through all kinds of of, uh, persecution. He had reason to be scared, all right? And oftentimes we have reason to be scared. You know, it's... What the doctors told you scares you. What your checkbook shows you scares you. You you have reason to be scared, human reason. But God tells us, don't be afraid. Even though we look at our circumstances and our situations and we say, I should be afraid, God says, don't be afraid. And then God gives us a peace that passes all understanding. We don't get it. We don't understand it. Why do I feel so peaceful? I shouldn't be feeling peaceful in this situation. But you do because God has told you, don't be afraid. He commands you. He says, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. He said, don't be silent. I'm with you. No one is going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. And we're going to find out about Corinth. It was an interesting place. But he had many people in that city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a whole year and a half. That was out of character for him, teaching them the word of God. So as we read later on, we find out that Paul wrote two letters, at least two letters to the Corinthian church. And these were no ordinary letters. I mean, he ties into these guys. (laughs) He's frustrated with the Corinthians. And it was partly because of where they lived. They lived in Corinth, which was just a crazy place. He's They tended to blend in with their environment. The Christians did. They tended to be just like the other people that lived in that city. And that city was not a good place to live in. And many of the cities back then weren't. And many of the cities today that we live in aren't good places to live either. And what what happened here in Corinth is they had, it was a Roman colony. It had been... uh, basically destroyed back in about 146 BC and then rebuilt by uh, Roman colonists. 
And they had all their different gods, but the main god there that had kind of made its way up from the, the Greek times was this, this god named Epaphrodite, and it was a, a female entity, uh, made-up entity, but uh, had a lot of you know sexual promiscuity attached to it. And it just influenced the whole city. People partied a lot. People slept around a lot. They got into, you'll find, if you read some of the readings that we give you, you'll find that it was like kinky. It was like crazy stuff that, that the Corinthians, that just the populace there did. And it influenced the church. It made the Christians really weak. And they just fit in. They blended in. It's interesting also in this, in the city that they had, um, the, the Greeks loved athletics. They loved sports. And we know that we got the Olympics from the Greeks. But actually here in Corinth, they also had, if I'm not mispronouncing this, they hosted the Isthmus Games. And it was second only to the Olympics. And Paul alludes to athletic, he mentions athletics in, in, in the books or in the letters to the Corinthians because it was something those folks could associate with. Um, but there was, interestingly, an another cult of, of Isis, not the Isis that we know, but uh, Isis that was prevalent in the Roman Empire that placed a huge emphasis on human wisdom, on human intellect. And so that's what, that kind of the backdrop, the culture of, these, uh, of the, the Corinthians uh, lived in, and it impacted the church. And guess what? You and I were impacted by the culture we live in in a bad way. We are impacted by the American culture that we live in, and we don't even know it half the time. Because we've adopted the way Americans are, and the way the society lives, and the media that's blitzing our mind all the time, the social media, and we start living like the world around us, and guess what? God doesn't want us to fit in necessarily. He doesn't want us to fit in. He wants us to be different. We talked about it a little bit the last couple of weeks. He doesn't want us to fit in. Now, God is not asking you to be a weirdo. <laughs> He's not asking you to be strange and odd and off the wall and a turnoff to people. But at the same time, you don't need to be like everybody else around you. All right? And that's what the, the, the Apostle Paul writes two letters to the, to the Corinthians saying, don't fit in with a culture that you're used to living in. Don't fit in. So what I, what I did as I was reading this, I pulled out or drew out some specifics that Paul told the Corinthians said, don't fit in in these five or six areas. And I, that's what I want to share with you today. And I want, to, I want it, you don't just read the Bible and say, oh, that was good for the Corinthians. No, the Bible is good for you. It's good for me. And it applies to me. It is not an outdated book. It's not an irrelevant book. It's good for us today. And that's why you're sitting here. That's why you're sitting here is you're saying, all right, I'm going to open up here. Change me, God. Make me more like Jesus. I, I want to be created in the image of God. I was born flawed. I was born messed up. And I need a Savior to come and help me become who he intended me to be from the very beginning. So let's look at these. And most of them are in, in Corinthians 1, the first book. 
But one of them is also in Corinthians 2. Let's just jump right in this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 10, the Apostle Paul, I'm just going to give you snippets. We could read the whole thing, but I'll let you do that this week. Read 1 and 2 Corinthians, and it's in the readings that you get through our texts. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. He hits the ground running with these guys. There's not a whole of, not of niceties or introductions, although he introduces the letter a little bit. It's, he jumps right in, and he gets right to the point of the matter. He says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, for crying out loud, would agree with one another in what you say, and that there's no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And I jumped the gun because the first slide before this said drama. They were drama queens. <laughs> they got into arguments and they wouldn't agree with one another. And I want you to think of right now of somebody that you, in this life that you're at odds with right now. It could be a family member. It could be somebody, uh, an in-law. Thank God my in-laws are here, and I'm so thankful for them that we're not at, at, at odds. But it could be a friend. It could be a coworker. And you know what? The drama has got to stop. If it doesn't, you're just like everybody else in the office. You're just like everybody else in your family. What are you going to do when the drama pops up tomorrow and somebody says somebody about something about somebody else? What are you going to do? Are you going to walk away from it? Or are you going to jump right into the conversation and stir the pot some more? I had a good friend tell me, you can either throw water on the fire or you can throw gasoline on the fire. What are you going to do? God doesn't want there to be divisions. Otherwise, you're just like everybody else. You're swimming in the same direction as everybody else. God convicted me several years ago about gossip. You don't have to worry now. If you tell me stuff, I don't gossip anymore. This is a long, long time ago. But God convicted me about gossiping, about talking. If I can't say it to your face, I shouldn't say it at all. And we, this is serious thing. These are, this isn't just some small something. This is important to God, and therefore it should be important to us. Let's not be into the divisive side of things. Let's be peacemakers. Let's look at this. In Matthew 5, verse 9, Jesus says in the, in the Beatitudes, and the blessings that he gives in Matthew 5, how you can be a blessed person says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Be a peacemaker in that situation in your family. Be a peacemaker in that situation in your office or school or wherever you're at. Be a peacemaker. Well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Let's move into the next, next thing that made the Corinthians just kind of blend in with everybody else. And that was they had a big time problem with idolizing people. They looked up to the person that was a good public speaker. They looked up to the politician that was polished and good at what they did. They especially looked up to intellectual folks, to people who could philosophize really well, the people who had the latest idea and could debate their thoughts really well. They idolized people, and we do as well. We idolize entertainers. We idolize influencers. We idolize politicians. 
We idolize who knows? Who are your idols and why on earth do you put them on a pedestal? <laughs> Don't put people on pedestals. Everything that you have or that they have or that I have is a gift from God. It's not mine. God gave it to me or he gave it to you. Don't idolize people for crying out loud. It's a waste of time. They're going to let you down. Instead, we need to admire God. We admire God. This verse came to me this week and I prayed, I prayed about it at the beginning of the service. Is don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Amen. Don't think, oh, that person is so special because they can sing well or they're smart or they're, they're, they, they've got a high position in your company. Who cares? Whatever they have came from God. So instead, admire the gift of God in that person. That's what we're to do. And then just love people just across the board equally. So these Corinthians, they had their idols. They had their, their people that they looked up to. And we see that in Corinthians 1. We see it throughout. But in Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, in other words, the world's wisdom, did not know him. You cannot know God through human wisdom. God was pleased through the foolishness that was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign. And how many times have you demanded a sign from God? God, if you're real, give me a sign. God, if you want me to go and do this, give me a sign. Jews demanded a sign. Are you demanding a sign from God? <laughs> little bit of a rabbit trail, but I wanted to mention that Greeks look for wisdom. See, because that was part of a cultic thrust in their society is to, is to have wisdom. They look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, you're not going to find anything in human beings that's quite as good as what you'll find in God. Nothing, nothing compares to the majesty of God. Nothing compares to the unseen attributes of God, the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the hope that God gives. Nothing compares to it. Why do we look for humans to satisfy something in us that only God can satisfy? People look for relationships to satisfy the emptiness in their souls. They look for money. They look for power. They look for experiences. The only thing that's going to fill you is God Almighty. If you look for people to fill you, you're going to fit in like everybody else because they're all looking for the same thing. But man, when you start saying, I'm going to only be satisfied by God, I'm not going to look for my satisfaction from anybody else, you're, gonna, you're not going to fit in. You're not, you're not going to blend in. You're going to stick out the way that God wants you to stick out because you're going to have an answer that nobody else is giving the people around them. Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now we know that God has no foolishness. We know that he has no weakness. We know that he is perfect, 
But the Apostle Paul is making a point here that even if there was a weakness from God, it'd be stronger than anything the human race has to offer. In Psalms 102, verse 12, it says, But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. And it dawned on me, I don't know, 10 or 15, maybe 20 years ago, God is famous. God is famous. What if you had a famous uncle, famous aunt, famous relative? We'll run across people, especially we're over in, in our other church. A uh, person would come in off the streets and they'd say, oh, I know so-and-so. I know Snoop Dogg's my cousin or I don't know, crazy stuff like that. And they were all proud because of that connection that they had with some distant relative. Guess what? I know God. I know the most famous person in the world, the most famous entity, the most powerful, I hate to say thing, but person in the world. I know God and you do too. That's a connection. You've heard that statement. It's not what you know, but who you know. I know God and you know God as well. And you should be jumping up and down because of your connection with him. He is famous. He is renowned. Well, here's the other thing that, uh, that really caused these poor Corinthians to blend in. And that was, they were just stunted baby Christians. They were just stunted, man. They, they couldn't grow up in God. They couldn't put roots down in the ground. They couldn't grow big and strong and faithful to God. They were stunted baby Christians, and therefore they were just like everybody else around them. They didn't grow up. So we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Still worldly. Mere infants in Christ. Now, one thing is to be a baby. When you first come to Jesus, you're not going to all of a sudden be a superhero, even though you might want to be. All right, you're not going to be a super Christian. You're, you're going to be an infant, but God doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to grow up in him. You're going to get a text this week. I think it's like Tuesday or Wednesday that says, you know, grow up in Christ just a little bit today. <laughs> grow up just a little bit. Do what you've got to do. Get a little bit of spiritual nourishment into your little spiritual tummy. All right? Lift a little bit of spiritual weight and put on a little bit of spiritual muscle. Do what you've got to do to grow up a little bit today. I'll tell you what, you don't grow up just instantly in 10 years. You grow day by day by day, consistent walk with Jesus, you fall off the horse, you get back up again. You fall off the horse, you get back up again until you finally learn to stay in the saddle and you grow up in God. You can do it. You can. Every single one of you. I can do it. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So, so walk the daily walk. Don't think it's just going to, it's a quick, you know, mega lotto and you're going to win a million bucks and grow up in Jesus. No, it's going to be day by day doing the things that you need to do. It says, we're mere infants. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not even ready for it yet. Instead, you are still, and indeed, he says, you are still not ready. And I want to ask you, are you ready for some solid food from Jesus? 
some deep thoughts from the Word of God, some, in, in, some insights that the Spirit of God can give you, are you just reading your Bible when you have a problem? <laughs> are you just coming to church when your life gets difficult? No, get that consistent marathon attitude that I am going to run the race and I'm going to grow up in God. You know what blows my mind? Is people who've been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years and they're still worry words. How is that possible? I mean, the, God tells us over and over again, don't worry, don't be fearful. And, and yet, you know who I'm talking about? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've lived for years for the Lord and I still worry. When am I going to grow up and get past my anxiety and my panics and my fears? God wants me to grow up and he wants you to grow up as well. He wants us to become spiritual superheroes that takes, takes time to get there. He says, you're still worldly, worldly for since uh, there's still jealousies and quarrelings, and I've mentioned worries among you. Are you not still worldly? God wants us to grow up in this world to mean less and less. Hey, if I don't have much money in my bank account, my God is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. If I'm having a problem at work, has God not solved my problems hundreds of times? Isn't he therefore going to solve yet this problem as well? If I have a health issue, hasn't God taken me through several health issues? Isn't he going to take care of this one as well? You see, God wants us to grow up and stop being so worried and with the cares of this world and the problems of this world. Stop it already in the name of Jesus. You, know, you see, when I'm pointing at you, my dad has taught me. I got three fingers pointing. Now, this is not preaching at you. This is preaching at us, <laughs> all of us. All right. So let's grow up as Christians. In 1 John 2.17, I love this. In fact, I probably should, this is one of the few scriptures I actually have memorized. I have such problems in memorizing, remembering, remembering scripture. But I try, and you need to try as well. But it says, the world and its desires pass away, but the person who does the will of the Lord lives forever. It's time to start getting on God's agenda and not our agenda. Amen. Going, as I've said many times, go to God every morning with a blank sheet of paper and say, God, what do you want me to do? Not, God, here's my agenda, now bless it. <laughs> Let's get on God's agenda, not our own. Here's the next thing that caused them to just blend in with their, their, the next neighbor, the next Joe Blow that they, they were living close to or working with, and it was sexual immorality. It was rampant rampant everywhere people sleeping around it had influenced the church so much this is disgusting it had influenced the church so much that you'll read in corinthians that some guy is either sleeping with his mom or a stepmom it's not terribly clear what the situation is so it's gotten really gross and apparently the society had impacted their church so much that it infiltrated people and People were sleeping around with each other in the church. And the Apostle Paul nails this one head on and says, no way, no how. You are not to fit in with your society in this way. You're not to do it. This is not how God wants things to be in his 
pure, precious church. Things are to be different in the church than they are outside of the gathering of believers. And so, you know, you got to get these things straight because if something impacts our lives, it's the, the perspective on sexuality in our society. If there's something infiltrating the church, it, it would be this very thing. And so we're in the same situation that the Corinthian church was in. So look at this. First of all, sex was God's idea and is God's idea. It's not wrong. It's not twisted. It's not bad. It's not. No, no, no. Sex was God's idea. He came up with the idea to be. He's the creator of the universe. And this was his idea. The second thing we've got to realize is sex is good and right within marriage. That's the only place where it's good and right. If it's outside of marriage, we know it's not good and it's not right. It's destructive. It tears relationships up. It's, it's a bad thing outside of marriage, but it's good and right within marriage. And the last thing that we realize from Scripture is plain as can be is that marriage is in fact to be between a man and a woman. A man and a woman. Clear as day. No debates, no, no, how do I feel today? No, it's not about feelings. It's not about how you see yourself or feel about yourself. This is just simply what the Word of God tells us. Now, some of us are already feeling uncomfortable with what I'm telling you. <laughs> They're saying, oh, yeah, I'm glad so-and-so's not in the room right now, because if they heard this, oh, man. You see society is already impacting you. You see that? You're already influenced by society if this stuff makes you sweat. <laughs> because this is, this is how God intended it to be. And I, for one, am not going to have society's unwritten rules stamped on my forehead. I'm not going to do it. All right? This is the word of God. Are you, are you buying into what God has for you? Or are you buying into what your culture is telling you? I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> Just not going to do it. All right. So let me read you this quote from this super cool guy named Richard Foster. Unbelievable, man. I've read this. Some of this guy's books, they're, they're, they're wonderful. They're clear. He's a straight perspective. And he says this, the problem with topless bars and pornography is not that they emphasize sexuality too much, but they don't emphasize it enough. Isn't that interesting? It's counterintuitive. These totally, goes on to say this, these totally eliminate relationship and restrain sexuality to the narrow confines of a simple act. They've made sex trivial. And that's, that's the truth. Society makes sex trivial because it's so much more. The, sex, the sexuality that we all have is, a, you know, me and my wife going out on a date and going to Starbucks and getting a coffee or sitting and watching a sunset or just being friends with one another and communicating with each other. It's not the act of sex. It's, it's, it's your sexuality in total, the sum total. You are a man. You are a woman. And this is something that's this much of your life. In 1 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 9, the apostle writes, he says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. But he goes on and makes this super clear. He says, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. 
You see, he's not being saying to be so different that you go to a monastery and try to live apart from the world. That's not what God ever intended for you to do. Not separate, not separating yourselves in that way. But he says, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister. In other words, a Christian, but is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater or slanderer or drunkard or swindler. Not, do not even eat with such people. Is that clear? Is that super clear? That if somebody in the church is sleeping around, that's the person that you need to separate yourself from because they're saying I'm a Christian when in reality their lives are saying, no, you are not a Christian. No, you are not. He goes on in verse 16, if I'm not mistaken, he says, flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And why is that an issue? Well, he goes on and explains it. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So you shouldn't sin against your body that way. You should, if you're married, stay faithful to your spouse, not only physically, but mentally, <laughs> stay faithful to, to your spouse. If you're not married yet, st stay clean, stay pure. And if you're past that time and your spouse has passed away, well, pray for those of us that are left. <laughs> that we would stay that way. We're temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. That's the problem right there. We think our bodies belong to us, and our bodies don't belong to us. Our bodies belong to God. And that's what changes when you start saying, I don't even belong to myself. I belong to God. That's when you start acting different because you have that realization. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. One last scripture here in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10. He says, or do you not know? Because he, he just lays it on the line makes it abundantly clear. And if you disagree with this, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God. Get, please understand that. I'm not here promoting what I think. My opinion means nothing. But God's opinion means everything. I wouldn't even call it an opinion when it comes to God. He says, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, and please don't be deceived by the society and this culture. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, or adulterers, or men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Because God's law is unchanging, and it's relevant to us today. And we can't blend in. We shouldn't fit in with our society. We are, with this issue here, we are going to stick out like a sore thumb. And especially if we promote it verbally. So, there's that. A <laughs> couple more things. Is lawsuits. Yeah, I'm stepping on people's toes, man. So, forgive me, but just throw it out there because... Uh, the Bible speaks of it, and that's why we're in church, is to find out what the Bible has to say. But in 1 Corinthians 6, we find out that there's people inside the church suing each other in church. But instead, one brother takes another one to court, 
And this in front of unbelievers. So they went to a, you know, a court in that city, that municipality, and they would sue each other. In fact, the fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you've already been completely defeated. Why not rather be wrong? Wronged. Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Now, I want to tell you this. You might say, I don't do that. I'm telling you, unless the world is caving in and you've received a sign from heaven, don't go to court. Just don't do it. Trust God. Trust God. Now, there's some situations when you need to go to court. You know, to me, if there's child abuse, if there's spousal abuse, if, if, if uh, there's you know, a lack of safety, you need to do something. Put a restraining order. Do what you got to do. But man, if it relates to money, let God take care of you. Just, just let God take care of you. He's, he's our defender. We see this in Isaiah 19, 20. It says, it will be a sign and a witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. When they cry out to the Lord because of their oppressors, and some of you have been oppressed in a situation here or there, you've been oppressed, he will send them a savior and a defender, a defender meaning a uh, a defense attorney, <laughs> a defender, and he will rescue them. Praise God. Put it in God's hands and let God take care of it for you. I believe this is the last one. Yes, it is. Here it is. Is they blended in because of wrong friendships and wrong relationships. And there's a text coming out this week talking about toxic and negative friendships. If, you're, if you have a friend that just brings you down, you need to get rid of that friend. Just cut ties, you know, cut yourself loose. God has better plans for you than to be in a friendship that's toxic, that's negative, that's, gonna, that's pulling you down, pulling you away from the Lord. Get out of those friendships. They're not worth, it's not worth, worth your time. But the Corinthians, and, and if you do, by the way, you keep those relationships, you're just like everybody else around you. Keeping the friendships that they shouldn't keep. Just get rid of them. And for a young person, if your friends are getting you out uh, to go out partying and drinking and getting high or whatever, get rid of those friends. Break ties. Get out of those friendships and those relationships. And in 2 Corinthians verse 6, and this is the only one that I'm reading to you from 2 Corinthians, he, he tells us, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. In the old King James, it would say, don't be unequally yoked. You know, you know, somebody is one size and, and one, one ox is one size and the other ox is a lot bigger. Can you imagine the yoke kind of going way down there? They're unequally yoked. And God wants us to be equally yoked, equally yoked with a, with a believer, with a Christian. It says, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and and Belial, that's Satan. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. He says it again. As God has said, I will live among them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. I look at the times in my life where I've struggled the most, and it was always because I had a bad friendship. Always. 
And we need to assess our friendships. We need to go through the list. Who are you hanging out with and how are they helping you or how are they hindering you? And you say, well, that person's my family member. Well, that's going to be pretty complicated now, isn't it? (laughs) But you still pull away from toxic family relationships and you need to. You need to. Let's read on just a couple more scriptures here. Touch no unclean thing. I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And I want to reinforce today, you shouldn't fit in. If you're fitting in too easily, (laughs) it's not going to be good for you. I'll never forget at the office that I used to work, one company I used to work with, um, I've always been a clown. I do pranks and cut up and just do stupid stuff, and that's just kind of the nature of, of who I am. And so the, the partying group took notice. Hey, it looks like he's, he'd probably be pretty fun with us on Friday night or Saturday night. So they invited him. Hey, come drinking with us. We're, we're going out this Friday night. We're going to such and such a bar. And I said, no way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't fit in. Don't fit in. Don't fit in. And I'll tell you, I mean, at work, there's been times when there's a, there's a happy hour and, and as part of my work, I have to go there. I order myself a clear glass of water <laughs> and, and I'm there for 10 or 15 minutes, whatever I have to do to, to socialize and be whatever. But I'll tell you what, if you have a problem with alcohol, don't even do that. Don't even do that. Stay as far away from bad influences in your life as you possibly can. As, as far as you can. Does that make sense? All right. Well, First Peter 2, I'll end with this. In verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. In the K- King James Version, it even says a peculiar people. You're going to look different, talk different, act different, maybe even smell different. All right, you are a peculiar people, a different people, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you were not receiving, you didn't receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners, as exiles, to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans, and that just means non-Christians, the unbelievers, that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, you may see, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. I'll tell you what, last Sunday we talked about going to heaven and it has made such an that study has made such an impression on me. I want to go to heaven, and I want I'm done with sin. I don't want to sin anymore, man. I don't I don't want to do displeasing things to God. I don't want to anymore. I used to want to, but now more and more I just don't even want to anymore. And I want to go to heaven. I want to walk into heaven, man, clean, free, pure, sanctified, changed. Oh, man, just set free. I like that word more than any other word, just free. You know, whom Jesus sets free, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Praise the Lord. Man, if this is spoken to you, would you stand with me? I just want us to pray. Lord God, I, I think in, in probably in each and every one of our hearts, there's something that 
hit home today. Lord, something that, that may convict us a little bit. Lord, that...